last couple weeks, you know that the Lord's laid on my heart to talk about the church. You know that we talked about the function of the church and the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to be a body where we can come and, and we can love on one another and lift each other up. The function of the body is to teach people about Christ and, and to get the message out there to, to encourage people. But the Lord laid on my heart that i got to talk about the movement of the church. You see, in the church of God, we, we, we know that the, the denominational belief of the church is what we classify, not a denomination, we classify it as a, a movement. Because it was a movement of the Holy Spirit that came down in, in, in North Carolina as a bunch of Baptist people were getting together saying that there has got to be something greater than what we are encountering right now. And so there's a movement that was going on. And Cambry, I'm just looking at you, and I'm realizing what I just did. Cambry, if you come up here this morning and bring the little in, i got to stop for a second, because you know what? I had it in my notes too, but we have a little brand new member of our church that is here for the first time this morning. Cambry's going to come down, and she's going to stand about right here so everybody at home can see her. My wife is already jealous because I've already seen this little one, and she stayed at home, and she's, yeah. Oh, get us turn around here. You want to announce her to everybody? Oh, yeah. This is, okay. This is Indy Annette Price, and she is, what, three weeks old? Three weeks old today. Isn't she precious? This is their first little girl, too. Oh, she's so adorable. She's so cute. And oh, now it makes me want to have another one, too. So I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, I'll go ahead and let you sit back down. You know, we love babies in this church, right? I love babies in my household, too, but my wife seems like the, she wants more of them than I do. Sorry, babe. Now, where was I? I, I get distracted. I, I'm getting distracted in every which way. If you're watching online, you, you just got to realize, I've only had half a cup of coffee, and normally by this time I have three, so I'm still not really there yet. But we were talking about the church and the movement of the church. See, in North Carolina, they, a bunch of Baptist people were going, there's something more, and God showed up and moved mightily that started this great movement that we call the Church of God. But there's something that we have to always go back and revisit. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to ask you to open up to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And then when you get that, get your fingers stuck, and then we're going to go to James chapter 2. I'll give you a minute here. Yetta's already on it. But, but what it says is, Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped the sword over his armor. And he tried to go in vain, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in his shepherd's patch or pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistines. And then in James chapter 2, verse 17, it says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Lord, I need you right now. 
You know where my brain's going about 50 different directions, and I need to get concentration. But Lord, let the words of my mouth be what you need it to be, the edification of this body or whoever hears this message, Lord, and let it be the difference that will transform the church to be what you need it to be, God. Because I need you to be the one that leads us all, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? You see, you'll put that next little quote up there real quick. The purpose and the movement of the church is how the body of Christ is active in the lives of those that believe and in the discipleship of unbelief. That statement that God gave me was one that, that kind of really steered me all week long. Because the purpose of the movement of the church is how the body of Christ is active in the lives. But it's not something that just is active, but it's something that's seen and is evident, and it's got hope in something within it. Because the church has to realize that any movement is always going to be seen. If you put the next one up there real quick, you had it too, and that's the last stuff, I promise. Any movement requires a point of origin and a point of destination. Can I say that one more time? Any movement requires a point of origin and a point of destination. See, I brought up the fact this morning that the church of God started in North Carolina with a bunch of people that, that, that were just trying to figure something out. It was a, a point of origin story with where we're at today. Just like this church itself had a point of origin where we started in 1925 in Struthers. I can hear about all the basement church. I can't find any photos of it. I can tell you I've seen photos of the Elm Street church that I was not part of, but Brother Dorman was. And I can tell you where we're standing right now, and what we're seeing is there is a movement that's going on. It started with a point of origin, and now we have to find the destination in which we are trying to go through. And what God was speaking to me in my studies this week is something that we have to hold on to. See, in Hebrews chapter 11, it reminds us that men and women of faith required something that was so constant in their life, and that was faith. Men who seem to do some crazy stuff. You see, when God called me out in the ministry, full-time ministry, not just doing it where I was paying people to do it, yes, let me tell you, I used to pay to do ministry. Such an oxymoron, isn't it? I'd show up to youth group and say, what can I pay for now to go and do something else? I wanted to see people hungry for God that I was willing to do whatever it took to make a difference. I'd pay to go to youth trips and all these things. I was doing crazy things. But when God called me out into the full-time ministry, when he called me to South Carolina to become a youth pastor, somebody came up to me and says, hey, the Lord gave me a word over your life, and it was Hebrews 11.8. And I said, okay. And I went and looked at it, and I said, by faith, Abraham left all that he knew and went off into a land that he did not know. I was like, okay, that doesn't make any sense to me. And it wasn't until the 500th person that came up to me and said, the Lord gave me a word to give you, and it was Hebrews 11.8. And I said, okay, God, what is going on? And he says, no, you have to have this thing called crazy faith within your life. Because Abraham was willing to do whatever it took. He had a hunger and a thirst that started the origin of this movement of, of, of where we serve God like we do. Because we all know if we went to Bible school or even kids' church, that Father Abraham is the father of our faith because he had many sons. And he developed it and he grew the church and he, and he and changed it. You see, what I'm saying is there's an origin that we have to go back to, that we have to look at 
and ask, how does this movement, the body of this church, move and through this world and make a difference? We have to look at the origins. See, Abraham walked out in faith. The origin that we have to understand is there is power in understanding the true knowledge of our origin. It is how we know that we've lived our lives on this earth so long in so many ways by how we measure things up. We have an origin story. We have an origin story. You see, I look at Father Abraham, and I know I relate it back to Hebrews 11 and 8 every time I go, because I'm like, I don't care. I'm walking out in some crazy faith. I'm going to do whatever God's called me to do. I don't care if it seems like I'm crazy. Many people in the church don't. Last week I told you how we're not going to classify ourselves as God anymore. We've got to realize that God is God, and we've got to humble ourselves. But so many people still go, God, you're calling me to do this? I can't do that. I'm not this. And I know I've done that too. But there's an origin story that has to flare up within our lives. We have to know where we started to, to see the progress of how we get through this journey. People don't see us as we once were. I can tell you right now, many of my family members do not understand why I serve God. They always liked the fun, Steve, the one that would go drinking with them, the one that would go and have crude comedy with, the one that would go and just interact with them. But when I started accepting Jesus into my heart, that was a transformation because God met me on this little rock that I had to be on where I was all alone and I was desperate. They saw the origin story, but they also saw a new destination take root in my life. But they have to have the origin story. You see, when God spoke the world in Genesis, we know that there was an origin story. God spoke, what happened? The universe was formed. The earth was getting put together. We can tell and measure it out. We can see it. Then God made man, and we can calculate in generations of what all God has done according to the world, or to the word, and through the world's studies of human culture. We can see such a difference. But there's something that we have to go back to. You see, the world keeps going back to an origin story where it says, there was a big bang, we came out of nothing, we don't know why we're here, but we're just magical creatures that just somehow are perfect and there's order in all the universe, and it makes no sense, but we're saying it's just random. What God keeps saying is we have to go back to the origin, which we all know is here. We all know it's here. Everyone in the church knows that this has got the origin story when God inspired Moses to write the book of Genesis. Where he was inspired to start writing about Abraham and as God was ministering to him and he was talking to him and he was saying, you've got to talk about my, father, my son Abraham and how he was willing to kill his son at, at, at the mountaintop, but yet I gave him a ram instead and, and, and he, was, he, he didn't slay Isaac, but yet he still had twin boys Isaac did and he had Jacob and Esau and we saw how that transformed and how the origin story of their lives is something that we can still hold on to as a source of hope you all know Jacob right the one that made a well and, and people worshipped around the well over in Samaria while Jesus was coming into but better yet Jacob had an encounter and experience he had an origin story but a different destination came into place because Jacob was a trickster. Jacob was, man, he was, he was slick, I'll be honest. 
He'd come up with an agreement with his father-in-law, hey, you'll get this one and this one, and he'd come up with a way to make these things all work in his favor, and he was very smart and all those, but something happened in his life. He was on a journey back to his homeland to see his brother, who he had stole his birthright from, and he had stole the blessing from, and he knew that his brother was bigger, badder in every every other way that he was, because his brother was the cook, and he was the mama's boy, and yet he was going back in there, and he was worried about it. You see, somebody in this house this morning or somebody on this live stream has been struggling because they are looking back at the origin story of where they started from and they're getting a little concerned with the steps they're making right now. But let me say the words, but God. There's something about those words that always gets me a little bit more excited. I don't know about you. You see, but... Jacob was on his way back, and he's like, okay, i got to do something crazy, because I don't want Esau to get mad at me. So he starts sending all of his livestock ahead of him, and he's like, okay, just go ahead and give this to my brother. Go ahead and do this. Okay, I'm going to send my wife and my kids ahead of me, because I know Esau is going to go crazy. I'm going to stay right here by this little brook right here, and I'm not going to go further. And then that night, it says, but God showed up. And his origin story changed. If I would have had some more teenagers in here, I'd probably do some Marvel origin stories, but we're not going that route. There you go, Julie. But God. You see, God in, Jacob encountered God where he wrestled with him, and he wasn't going to be willing to let go. He was wrestling with God because he wasn't satisfied anymore with where he's going to. You see, the church has got to not be satisfied with where we're at. We know that we have an uncertain future ahead of us, but we have to trust God in these moments where we're saying, God, come down, move in this place, move in this church, move in our lives, and be what you need it to be. You see, the church is not meant to be a social club, and I'll say that every week. It's meant to have broken people come in here to find relief. I've walked around the city long enough to know. I've walked around this planet long enough to know there's always people hurting. I can go down the road and there's people out there asking for money. Whether they need it or not, I don't know, but I see hurting people. I watch people go back and forth along the side roads and they're hurting people and they need it. They need something within them. We have to be the church that understands that God is calling us to go beyond the origin. But that requires movement. Movement. I don't know about you. There are days that I want to sit on my couch and never get up. Can I get an amen? I miss my recliner. I already told my wife, I said, if I had the recliner, you'd never see me move at all. I'd be saying, bring me the nacho chips and the salsa, and I'm good. Praise God I don't got the recliner anymore because i got to get up because I'm getting fat. I know my wife gets so mad whenever I call myself fat. I said, it's better for me to call myself fat than for you to call me fat. It doesn't hurt so much when I say it. But what I'm saying is we got to have movement within the church. See, the origin stories of where we come from through our lives is something that we have to realize it has to be walked away from sometimes. We're not meant to stay the same. I told you, my family doesn't recognize who I am. My mom told me one day, she says, I, I watched your sermon. She said, I didn't recognize the man preaching in the microphone until you said the little funny things that you always do, because that's you. I said, I know that's me. 
But she says, you're not the same. I said, no. I don't have the same origin story. I'm completely different than what I once was. I once was a man that smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. I once was a man that went to bed every night drinking tequila. I once was a man that got drunk every single night because I had to and I wanted to. But you look around today, you see nothing close to that because there was movement. How many of us have been walking around in a place where we have a sense that there has to be something that that has to change, there's something out of sorts? But today seems something different. You ever longed for that? Something different. See, my wife, whom I love, and I'm not going to bash, doesn't like to sit at the house. She says, I'd like to go drive someplace. And I say, okay, where do you want to go? I don't know, someplace new. Okay, how do we get someplace new? Let me tell you, after you're driving around this area, it's hard to find someplace new. But there's something new that has to transform within our lives in a purpose as we look for movement. You see, the starting point of the church is the same. We come into a building wanting to hear something that will perk our attention and stir something within us. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen every Sunday. Sometimes the word that God gives me to preach isn't for you. It's for the person next to you. But sometimes you come in here and you're stirred and you're hungry for something that God's got going on. We are all like Jacob. We're wanting and waiting and stressing about stuff and dysfunctions within our lives, but we need to encounter something even greater. We need to encounter something greater, something that will change us and and change our place and get us out of this moment. You see, God is telling someone that they need to hear a truth. Today, we need to understand that we have to stop looking left and stop looking right and start looking up. I don't know who needs to hear this. I've had panic moments in my life where I'm trying to make sense and try to measure everything up. But then there's one moment in my life where I have to say, no, I am so tired of the devil telling me to look left and look right. And I have to start looking up into the heavens and saying, God, I need you right here, right now, fixing the situation and the mess that I'm in. Can I get an agreement? There are days in our lives that we have to just say, I'm done with this world. God, do what you need to. I look at the world today, and I'm like, okay, I can't watch Fox News. I can't watch CNN. I can't watch MSNBC. I can't watch any of the news because everything I see is all negative. Anything I see is out of my control. Anything I see, and all I can do is say, God, I know you're the author and the finisher of everything I have within me, but I need you to deliver me. And that's where we have to go to. I know. I've been building up all this time for 25 minutes to get to the main scripture. Are you ready? You see, David was anointed king. He was anointed king when when all of his brothers were the ones that were rejected. David was king when everybody said he has to stay in the field. He's not worthy to be here. But David had to live his life in a way that he learned what true movement was. He got anointed king, and guess what happened the next day? Nothing changed. Let me say that again. Nothing changed. 
There's so many people in the church that come in and say, I've got to get into the church, and then all of a sudden nothing changes. But I came to church. Yeah, nothing changed. But why do I keep coming to church and nothing's changing? Because you're waiting. You don't realize the steps that you're taking are making a difference. You just don't see it yet. You see, David was anointed king and nothing changed the next day. And yet, he was still waking up, and he knew that Saul was still on the throne. He was still in charge. He had to go occasionally and play his heart for him to calm down his soul because he was tormented, because God had rejected him, and all these different things. And David was going through the same old, same old, same old, and same old typical days until one day. Just say it with me, one day. See, we're getting some participation going this morning. You're getting better at this, Brother Dorman. They're getting better, aren't they? One day, his dad looked at him and says, Hey, David. Yeah, Dad. I want you to go get some cheese and some bread and stuff. Take that up to your brother at the, at the battleground. Okay. Gets up there, and next thing you know is he starts hearing this big, tall, giant Goliath get out there and saying, Ha ha, my God's greater than yours because you guys are a bunch of cowards. I, I want to do an Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. I don't know why. But he's up there saying, you're a bunch of cowards. My God's better than yours. Your God's fake and all this stuff. And David gets a little something in him. And he's like, oh, it's on like Donkey Kong. And he says, no, I can't do this. Something stirred within him. He started talking about it and everything. And then it got word back to Saul. And, and next thing you know is David starts taking steps. He didn't take steps home. He didn't take steps back around to start gossiping about how Saul was the worst king and how he was truly anointed king and how, how, how it's not going to be a true blessing. No, it said he walked to Saul and he says, Saul, I don't know what's going on, but I know this man is going to get taken down by my God. You see, there's something within that that God just stirred within me and he says, you've got to tell the church. We are facing a giant in the world around us that wants to tell the church we have no relevance. That we have no purpose. That we should just shut up the doors, never open it. That we should just not even be online and that it should take all of our voices down. They want to shut it down because they're fearful and, 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 and they're fearful because of the truth that's coming out of the church. You see, something stirred in me the other day that I actually posted on my Twitter, which I have five followers on Twitter, praise God. They haven't shut me down yet. Where I said, I'm so tired of the world looking to see its own perfections through the personal perceptions that they want to carry. Can I say that again? They want to find perfection in their personal perceptions. Does that make sense to you? It does not. Because personal perceptions are always going to be individualized perfections, and there's never going to bring a unified perfection. We know that God says, I am the author and the finisher of my faith, and that, 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 that he's going to do everything, and that there's perfection through him and only through him. But yet we live in a world where the giant says, my thoughts and my truth are better than yours. We have giant Goliaths of, of people that are trying to say, the church is not no, no, no teeth anymore. But God keeps telling me, it's time for the church to wake up. 
The reason why God gave me this whole the church series is because we have to go back and look at the power that was in the church. Because sometimes the church gets put to sleep. And that's where the devil wants us. The devil wants us to be so ineffective and inefficient with everything we're trying to do. But, but, but it's time to wake up. It's time to start taking a step of faith into the future. It's time to start taking a step of faith, believing that God is going to do what he spoke he said he was going to do. Those aren't easy things to do, though. But I've learned if God said it, get ready. God said it, get ready. So David, David's here in Goliath, and he's feeling in his spirit, I got to go. I got to go. And he starts walking up to Saul, and he says, this got giants going down. I slew a bear and a lion in the field protecting my flock. I know what can happen if God is with me. But something inside of Saul still tried to limit him. There will be people in the church that will try to limit what God can wants to do through the church because of their own choices. I'm not saying anybody in the church here is that way. But what I felt God saying is that we try to put people into boxes and try to give them limitations with what they're called to do. So, so what Saul did in the movement of what God was trying to do to encourage Israel to start setting up his kingship in the whole region was he started putting on his armor. He started putting on his armor and he said, okay, move. And David was like, I, I can't move. It's not made for me. He says, I, I, I have not ever tried this. This is something different that I am not accustomed to. See, I encountered God's faith in the, in the fields. I've encountered God's truth in my worship. I've seen God move in your spirit as I play my harp. I'm not meant for the armor. It's going to slow my movement down. And, and so he says, i got to take it off. i got to take it off and i got to get ready. Somebody needs to understand, there has been some church traditions that have slowed the movement of the church because they make people feel comfortable. You can't go to the battlefield if you're not armed right. You can't do this if you're armed not right. You can't go and do this if you dress this way. You can't do this if you're doing this thing. There's a holiness standard that God has, and it's not a traditional standard. I know, this is like so hard to speak inside of the church to God because I know for the longest time, I'm just going to be honest. We've put on a traditional standard of holiness that was never a holiness standard that God had set up in us. And we set those things up there and it caused a detriment and it caused a slow within the church of God. But yet there's still hope because God is trying to tell the church it's time to wake up. It's time to get out of our comfort zone. It's time to start walking in this new thing called faith. We all know what Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the things hoped for of the substance of things not yet seen. Can I say that again? Faith is the substance of things hoped for but of the substance of things not yet seen. See, David encountered faith in all of his life when he says, God, I need you in this field. That wolf over there is pretty scary. 
That lion over there, it could tear me to pieces. That bear can just maul me to death. God, I need you here to show me what you, can, what you want me to do. I need you to bring up a, a protection within me. I need you to encourage me. Somebody needs to hear this word. You need to get encouraged with the truth that if God is for you, what can be against you? Nothing. God is with you. God's trying to encourage the church. He says, faith is going to grow within you. Faith is going to start doing something. How many of us today say that I will walk in a new direction that is, that is not what I would like to do, but if God is calling me to do it, I will do it? That's actually a question. How many of us are willing to say, God, you tell me to go, I'll go. I know a lot of people go, yeah, I'll do it. I'll raise my hand. Yeah, I'll do it. And then, I'm here. And God's like, no, it's way over there. You just took one step. That's the beginning part of where faith starts. But it's time that we get a church that's a little bit more enthusiastic with our decisions to say, God, I don't care what it is. I want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I want to see the miracles. I want to see the signs and wonders. I want to see this place full of people getting saved, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, starting to get a new hope in their life where addictions fall off. Feeling where, where, where struggles are, 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 are ripped away, where marriages are restored, where all these different things that the enemy wants to do is just completely dismantled. Where God gets to be God. See, that's the struggle within the church. We get a movement, and we're good. One step. But I keep hearing God saying, I'm so tired of the one-step wonders. I want to see the hungry runners. That's why Paul, in his scripture, when he wrote his letters, he says, I am going to run and finish this thing of faith, and I'm going to run it with everything I have because I don't want to just stop anymore. He was still writing letters up until he was beheaded by the Roman emperor because he did not want to stop. How many of us are the same way that we're willing to run with God through it all? You see, it's time for this church to truly start walking out in faith. It's time to start truly believing that if God said it, he'll do it. If God provides the needs, he wants you to be part of those participational issues. See, we have to be willing to be in motion and not just walking one little step in faith, but in the whole sprint. See, much like the foundation of the church, like I said, it started off in a little movement. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They wanted something more because they knew that they were not getting fed in the church that they were in. And so they started praying. They started reading. They started fasting. They started doing all these things. And they said, I'm not satisfied anymore, God not satisfied anymore how many of us have been satisfied for too long and we didn't just we aren't just now realizing that we're still thirsty the woman at the well at jacob's well she said oh I, i'm thirsty i'm coming out here because i gotta get my water and jesus says if you drink from the well that i give from you'll never thirst we got to start seeking after that well we got to start pursuing after that it takes a journey though it takes a dedication, though. You see, I wasn't always fat, like I said. I used to be able to run a five-and-a-half-minute mile. But that was a dedication of training. 
until my heart started acting up. And then I, uh, yeah, we'll just leave it there. Because i got to make sure I put that together. You see, David put on the armor of the king when he tried to move around. He learned something that we need to learn. That the, that the tradition that we always want to carry around is not going to always fit. I'm sorry that the faith that your mom and dad thought that you needed isn't going to be the faith that you need to carry your life. I'm sorry that my grandparents' faith that they had isn't the faith that I needed in my life. The faith of our forefathers isn't the faith that we need anymore either. See, we need to encounter the new faith. The new faith where we have that relationship with God, where he starts providing it. Because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. So if he's the author and finisher, I don't want somebody's leftover faith. I don't want somebody's hand-me-down faith. I don't want just a, 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 a partial faith. I want the true all-in-all faith. I don't want my grandparents' faith. I want to be greater than their faith. I want to see God move mountains when I just speak them. Because the word says, if I look at a mountain and I say move and get cast in the sea, it will. I want to see faith the size of a mustard seed truly grow up to be the trees that we need to have in our lives. But somebody needs to understand something. Faith is not developed in a one-time, one-shot, one-kill. I don't even know where that came from. Faith takes time to develop. Like I said, it starts off as a seed. What happens after a seed? It grows roots. And it takes time. It takes time, but it's not until it grows into the tree that people start taking notice. That's where it takes the dedication, when nobody's looking, when it seems like all is lost, when it's all in all, to leave the roots in the ground, to start letting them be the things that'll be the testimonies of what God's doing in your life. You see, we haven't seen anything We haven't seen anything like we're about to encounter. Can I say that again? The church has never seen anything like we're about to encounter. That's something that the Lord spoke in my spirit. He's been speaking into my spirit and he says, I've got to wake the church up because we've never seen anything like what's coming up against us. We've never seen anything in what's going to happen within us. But we have to be awake to be present-minded with everything that we do so that we're not falling asleep at the will. You see, the church is called to wake up and to get into motion. We're called to get up and start walking in obedience. Well, it's time to start waking up and letting our faith uh, wake us up in the morning and put us to bed at night. It's time to start trusting God with everything that we have. That means our time, our money, our influence, our, our, our abilities, our talents, everything. We have to be willing to give God everything in those moments to let God truly move because the body of Christ was only going to move as far as our faith will allow us to walk. If our faith is not willing to let us walk, we're not going to get very far. But it's time for us to wake up. It's time to start waking up. Church, it's time to start getting up and start saying, what is it that I need to get up for today? God, what do you have today? 
God, what am I doing today? It's time for us to get up and start worshiping God with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls, and all of our strengths. It's time for the church to start waking up and start saying, God, what can I give you today? Those are hard words. It's not easy. It's not easy to say, God, I don't have much today, but here's this. God, I don't have it in me today, but give this. God, I don't want to do this today, but nonetheless, God, I'm going to give it to you. Could you imagine what Jesus would have done if he didn't give it his all in the Garden of Gethsemane? When he's crying and he's going, God, God, my Father, if you could just let this cup pass for me, let it pass. But nonetheless, the mighty words that we need to actually instill in our lives, thy will be done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I don't care about me. I care about you. God, I don't care about me. I care about what you want to do. Because I know the devil is like a roaring lion trying to go from here to there. But he's got to get to the battle lines where I'm going to get up and say, Devil, get off of my line because you are going down. I have walked this journey. I know the faith that I have and I know the God that I serve. Get behind me and get out of the way. It's time to start saying that to the devil as our faith grows. Church, we need to wake up. We need to wake up and start moving and start saying, God, I'm tired of you taking my family's hostage. Or, devil, I'm tired of you taking my family's hostage. They need to come to God. Devil, I'm so tired of you trying to put this on me. Get behind me. Devil, I'm so tired of you trying to take my community. Get behind me. It's time for the church to wake up and to get into movement. And the way we get into movement is through this faith. It's through the hunger. It's through the, the, the desperation and, and, and desire to be closer to God. You see, it's time for us to wake up and say, You mountains of Israel, hear the words that the Lord God has said. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains and the hills and the ravines and the valleys. Behold, I, even I, will bring a sword upon you and will destroy the high places. The high places are the things that people are worshiping that are not Him. It's time to start being the church where we show that there is one and only true God and it's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It's not money. It's not food. It's not you. You see, that's what we have to do because God is calling the church to start getting up and start doing just that. You see, there is a war within the church and through the church that needs to take place to get us to get into a place where we're willing to do it. But it all comes when we start asking questions. Do you believe that God spoke the world and the universe into place? Do you believe that he made man from the dirt and put breath of life in his lungs? Do you believe that God saved Noah from the flood? Do you believe that he put Jonah in the belly of the fish for three days and yet let him get spit out alive? Do you believe that Jesus was born of a virgin? Do you believe that he's the son of God? Do you believe that he died on the cross? Do you believe that he rose from the dead? Do you believe that he purchased your salvation? You see, I feel God is saying that it's time for those beliefs to be the things that encourage our faith and to nourish them. You see, God spoke to James, and when he says that faith without works is dead, that is the true thing. You see, faith is important, but it always comes through the works of motion.
It's always evident so that people around you will see it. If you don't have faith and it's not being evidently seen, people are going, is it really faith? I got five minutes left, and I still got a lot to go. I told my wife this week, I said, I have way too many words, and if I have to do a two-parter, we'll do it. But we're going to try to get through this real quick, so if you'll bear with me. God spoke to James, and he says, faith without works is dead. Do you know who James is? James is the brother of Jesus, the half-brother. Let me tell you right now, having stepbrothers and stepsisters, it's hard to believe everything that they say especially older ones. So I'm imagining James is going, okay, they're saying he's the Messiah. I don't think so, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see it. But something happened in James's life where he realized that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was God among us, and it transformed his life and his thinking. Let me tell you right now, it's not always to think that way when everything's so close to you. But something happened in James's life where he said, I have to have faith in my half-brother, that he is the one who saved me. He's the one that's going to give me the eternal reward. He's the one that purchased my sin and gave me something purpose. And, but there is something that I have to be in me and through me that is evident to others. In James chapter 2, it says, What is good, my brothers? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister poorly, who is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, but without giving him things that he needs or says or, or for his body, is that really truly faith? So also, faith by itself, if it is not got works, is dead. But someone will say, you, will, or you have faith that I have works. You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you faith by my works. But believe that God is one, you do well. Um, believing in God is one, you would do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish people, that your faith apart from your works is useless? With, uh, was Abraham not our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac at the altar? You see, the faith was active along with the works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scriptures was fulfilled this way. Abraham believed in God, and it was continued to him as righteousness. And he was the father, or he was called the friend of God. You see, that was the same person that was justified by the works, but not faith alone. And it is the same way also for Rahab, the prostitute. Justified by works and received the message and sent them out together as one way. For as one body and one spirit is dead, or for as a body apart from the spirit is dead, so also is faith apart from the works is dead. It's a lot of reading today. It's a lot of scripture today. A lot of things to ingest. What I'm saying is the church is only going to be as, as have the ability to do what it's called to do by the obedience that we walk out in. By the faith that if God spoke it, it's going to come to fruition. By faith that we can believe and trust that it'll become into the full substitution or uh, substances that we can actually tangibly hold. But it's by faith that we hold on to it when we don't get to. <clears throat> See, we have to understand that faith is rooted in what God is doing truly in our lives and is meant to be going deeper into all parts of our lives. It's meant to be deeper when we trust God. It's meant to be deeper when we have our home lives. It's meant to be deeper within our marriages. 
It's meant to be deeper in our works. It's meant to be deeper in our vacations. Even when you're called to relax, you're supposed to have faith even in those moments. Better yet, it's meant to be deeper even in your retirement. It's meant to be deeper in all parts of your life. Because God wants to set up the roots that will develop the keys to allow this church, the church of God, not the church denomination, not this church, but it to see a new flame, a revival spark. I'm not here for me. I hope you're not here for you. I'm here for God. I'm here to see it go. And I'm willing to do whatever it is. And he's what he's asking the church today is, are you willing to do whatever it takes for him to get the glory? See, that's the movement that we're supposed to walk into. Abraham exemplified it. Jacob did it. David did it. And he's asking us, the church will do it. See, we have to understand that the church will all have struggles. We all look at each other and say that we're good, but I know we all have struggles. I try to be as uh, open and everything. I'm already dreading my surgery coming up for my wrist where I tore six tendons within my wrist. And being laid up for 17 weeks with one arm. It's going to look really funny when I get up here and I have to do something funky with this hand and it's not going to work right. But I say this is because I don't care about my struggles. I know God's got it. God's got your struggles, whether it's answered on this side of heaven or not. God's got your struggles and he, he understands everything you're dealing with. He's just asking, will you move? Will we move as one body in one accord to say, yes, God, I will trust you in everything that we have. We will all bring what we need to, to see the, the, the church grow. We will see the church body make a difference in lives. Let me tell you right now, the church needs to be the light that's seen on the side of a hillside that cannot be hidden. It's time for the church to start shining bright. It's time for the church to start being what it's needing to be, which is hungry and thirsty and being lit by the light of faith within our lives that we trust that God is able. It's by walking out in faith and being willing to be able to build something. Just stand with me this morning. Whatever else I have in my notes, you guys will probably get some next week. Walking out in faith is being willing to build something, church. It's to trust God to use what you have and what you are and everything because you all have purpose. I don't want anybody to ever walk out of this building and realize that you don't have a purpose. You all have a purpose. We all have different parts that we do and act in the church that we walk out in faith. But we're all trying to build something. And that is to trust God to use whatever you are. And let yourself pour out what he gives you to use to help give him the glory. If you'll pray with me. Lord, I don't know what's going on right now. There's a stirring within my spirit, Lord. Where somebody that is hearing this message has been struggling with faith. They've been struggling to try to understand what you've called them to do. They've been taking one step at a time. 
They've been pursuing you with little pieces of, of, of time, Lord, with little parts of their days, Lord, with little parts of whatever they have, but yet they have come, grown to be so dissatisfied. God, I ask that you speak to whoever that is, Lord, and encourage them to trust you. Encourage them to walk out in faith that is greater than the size of a mustard seed. To start trusting you that it's going to grow into something mighty within their life. But all it takes is just the first step. And then the second step. And then the third step. And then the next step, Lord. And as they keep going, Lord, they'll start gaining traction. And yes, I know the enemy will come and go against them and try to get them to stop. But Lord, speak to them and let them know it's time to keep going. Lord, I know you keep telling the church it's time to get moving. It's time to grow hungry. It's time to start pursuing everything that we have within you. God, we need you to set a blaze of fire within our hearts that will not burn out. Lord, there's a song that says, may the fire on my altar never burn out. We need to have that same fire on the altars of our hearts that will never burn out and never grow cold and never grow weary and always be set. There's a part where people will take notice. But God, that comes through the time that we have with you. So God, as we get ready to leave this place, Lord, I ask that you let it stew on, on the minds of this message, Lord, on their minds so that they would ask, am I being faithful? Am I really pursuing after you and all that I have? Or am I holding something back? God, move upon us, Lord, and let us realize that the hard message is that we want to get moving. We want to be part. We want to do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I love every single one of you. I'm so thankful for every one of you. If you ever need prayer, let me tell you right now, the altars are always open. I will stay up here and pray after church. I don't care if I get out of here at 5 o'clock. We'll pray. Never stop seeking Him. Never stop being one another's helpmates. Always be the church. Because the church is not the building, it's you. It's always going to be you because God put it in you. So go and be the church. We love you all. Go love your neighbor as yourself. And I'll see you guys this week or next week. Or next Sunday. I know. <laughs>